Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Who is the real leader of the Dallas Cowboys? Welcome to the show, Maggie Gray. Well, Andrew Perloff is off today, so EJ Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> and Pete's just been waiting for a day for Proloff to be on vacation. Oh, that, that's him, actually. That's, that's him now. Live. Oh, that was yeah. him calling in. He just dropped in. <laughs> oh, man, can't go away on vacation with his family for one second. Uh, EJ Stewart is in for Proloff today. Welcome to the show. Um, okay, so the Dallas Cowboys, ever heard of them? They've got a very charismatic and very talented pass rusher in Micah Parsons, EJ. I think we all understand that he's got all the talent in the world. Now, the question is about his leadership, and that's been what's under attack. So, Micah Parsons was actually responding to one of his teammates, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who said at the end of the season, the Cowboys, part of the reason that they failed against the Green Bay Packers is that they were tired. It was the grind of the season. They just ran out of gas. Here's what Parsons had to say about that. You should never go into a game like I'm tired, like I'm ready, like I'm ready to go home. Cause that's what's exactly gonna happen. And it did happen. I'm coming to the game every week, like, man, I got four more weeks left. I don't know what y'all got, but I got four more weeks left. Like, that's part of culture and identity that I just feel like we're missing. Like, that I would like, that's just something like I don't agree with at all. Like okay. regular season, all right, yeah, I'm tired, like I'm wore out. But as soon as playoffs hit, knowing how limited and how hard it is to win in playoff game, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I would never say I'm tired or I, I feel fatigued because that's my job to not feel that way. Okay, so this was to me no lies detected here. I actually like mm. this from Micah Parsons. Now Bart Scott, my former co-host, uh, who I know and absolutely adore, and always kept it a buck. He hated this for Michael Parsons, right? He thought Parsons has to go to leadership school. You lead by example. You know, if you don't want guys playing tired, you set the example. And he pointed out the fact that nobody would have brought that not a plus effort in the playoffs if it was Ray Lewis and you were playing on that kind of team. So it's like Parsons has to sort of shoulder the load for any culture and identity problems that the Cowboys might have. You got to look yourself in the mirror. And listen, Bart was huge on accountability. Right. He took it. He took the mantle. He got paid a lot of money. He felt like he was responsible right. for how the team played, and he felt like he was a culture setter. So he's coming from a place here where he's not only talked the talk, but he has walked the walk. I actually didn't mind this from Parsons. I don't mind 
that you're going to call out a teammate because at some point, EJ, this stuff has to change with the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I think you and Bart are off <laughs> off the beam path when it comes to this conversation with Micah Parsons. I mean, think about the great pass rushers of our generation over our last 20 years. I, I can't think of any, really, that I would consider locker room leaders. Like, maybe Reggie White in Green Bay. You'd yeah. say, okay, like he was definitely a leader. And Philly. Yeah, and Philly for sure. But most of the time, you want your pass rusher to be kind of off the beaten path and and kind of doing his own thing, saying crazy stuff, doing crazy stuff. Like, to me, again, Reggie White and maybe Michael Strahan, only two guys I can think about, true locker room leaders. Like, when I think of defensive players, you want a locker room leader, you're probably looking at your middle linebacker, like a Ray Lewis, or your safety, like a Brian Dawkins. Like, to me, like, I don't think Michael Parsons is setting any kind of precedent for the Dallas Cowboys. I think a lot of guys hear him talk, and they just kind of roll their eyes and keep it moving. Like, they're like, look, that guy is there to just – Get after the quarterback, rush the passer as hard as he can, and that's it. We don't really care what he says between Monday to, to Saturday, and then we just hope he plays well on Sunday. I don't think that what Michael Parsons says really has any impact on the rest of the team. I think if they're looking at leadership, they're looking at Dak Prescott. They're looking at the head coach and Mike McCarthy. They're looking at other players on that team before they think about Michael Parsons. Michael Parsons just talks a lot. No, I like that Michael Parsons wants to take some of this upon himself because I don't think – that he's just saying it to say it. I don't think he's saying it just to hear himself talk. Now, does he have some learning to do and some growing up in the league? Right. Yeah, Last earlier this year he said he's been in the league three years. He feels like he's seen it all. You definitely haven't seen it all. Yeah. No, But at least somebody wants to step to the front here. Like Dak Prescott, that's a given. I think in the, in the absence of this coming from players, where does it come from with the Cowboys? Jerry Jones. Right. And that's actually not the person you want setting the culture. Someone who's yeah. 80 can't be the one who's still out here, you know, telling everyone how it is with the Cowboys. And so I love this from Parsons. Like, listen, in this day and age, is it a little bit of bothersome? Every guy's got a podcast. Everybody's right. got his brand, blah, blah. Like, at least he's trying to use it to get the Cowboys to a better spot. Like, I, you could never accuse Micah Parsons of only just being about himself. Don't you Ooh, think he really about is about that. the team? No, I think he is about himself. You don't I think mean, he wants to win. You don't no, think you think he just wants to be famous. No, because there's a reason why he's going on his podcast or going on other people's podcasts to keep making these comments. Like, if he has an issue with Demarcus Lawrence uh, saying, hey, you know, we, we were, too, we're, tired, we're yeah. too tired or whatever, then guess what? You can pick up the phone and say, hey, um, why did you say that? And, and is that really the right mentality we got to have? Like, what does it do for you other than get you more engagement and more followers to then say, hey, I'm going to go and do a therapy session with CeeDee Lamb and have a podcast where we air out the issues with the Dallas Cowboys. That's why, again, we look at leadership. I don't know who looks at Micah Parsons and says that's a leader. Like, uh, to me, a real leader, again, goes and rallies the troops, goes to the team, or, or better yet, maybe – Stops talking for a couple of seconds, actually leads by example. Maybe they're staying in the facility. Maybe they don't go to Cancun or go to the Super Bowl, do whatever. Like maybe they're saying, hey, I'm staying in the facility all offseason because I got to set the tone. I don't know how you set the tone going to the podcast mics. I don't see how that helps anything with the Dallas Cowboys. But at the same time, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, if I'm following Micah Parsons, then you got bigger problems, which I think is my concern. If, if the Michael Parsons is the guy that's leading this team in the, into the battle, and they're the one. He's the guy that's rallying the troops. Then you got bigger issues because it just shouldn't be that player again, unless you're a, a Reggie White, a Michael Strahan, a very special type of character. Forget right. about player because Michael, Par Michael Parsons is a special player. Yeah, but if you're that kind of um, cult of personality where people want to follow you, that's one thing. But the pass rusher just mouthing off every five minutes, like. That doesn't affect or help anything for the Cowboys. Okay, but and we're talking about Micah Parsons and whether or not he is the right leader for the Dallas Cowboys. 
I hate to do this because mm-hmm. I'm not trying to just be that person who always puts it back on the quarterback, but we do expect a lot from quarterbacks leadership-wise, whether that's good or bad. They get paid a lot. They're in the front. They get... If Dak Prescott played better in bigger games, would this never even be an issue? You've got to ask yourself, why is there is there a lack of leadership here? Where is the void? Because I got a quarterback who's in basically been in the league for a decade. If this was really Dak's team, that's game, set, match. No one even feels empowered to have to go on the podcast and say anything out of turn if there is clear leadership. And again, right. that might feel unfair to put what a defensive guy says onto Dak Prescott. But I ask you, like, you know, if there is a real hierarchy of people here where it's like these are the team leaders and nobody messes with them, then why is Micah Parsons feeling like I've got to be that guy? But it's not a coincidence to me that when we talk about who's having this conversation on a podcast on Super Bowl week, it's the two guys that have been causing the most problems since the season ended. It's right. CeeDee Lamb. Well, CeeDee's family. Right. right. But but then even he admitted, yeah, you know what? I should have handled the game a lot better. I should have handled my family a lot better. Right. Again, it's these two guys that are having a therapy session on the Cowboys season when it's like you guys have been causing all the issues so far. Like any headline that's been negative about the Dallas Cowboys outside of Jerry Jones saying we're going all in without us knowing what the hell he was talking about. <laughs> it's yeah. been Michael Parsons and CeeDee Lamb. So how about you guys wait quiet for a couple minutes and maybe let the season kind of dust settle before you get back into the groove. But again – Especially with Michael Parsons, everything's about engagement. Everything's about getting his voice. He has to go out there and defend the Cowboys, but then now he's ripping the Cowboys. Like, I don't know what he wants. Well, one man's ripping could be another person's accountability. Hey, let's bring everything to the light. And how would he think anything different when the modus operandi of the Dallas Cowboys is to get in front of a camera at all times? It's Jerry Jones who's doing it. And so maybe instead of putting this at the feet of Dak Prescott, I got, I should put it at the at the feet of Jerry. What's the currency of the Cowboys? The currency is find a microphone and say something into it. That's been Jerry's thing. And Michael Parsons maybe just following the lead. Again, I'm not trying to like say he's yeah. um, blameless. Like, of course, you can always handle things better. But I see Michael Parsons playing hard. I see someone who's trying to maximize his talent. I see someone who's calling out teammates for making excuses that cannot be made after you lose at home to the Green Bay Packers. I don't hate that. I like that from a young guy. Take what, accountability. But what we don't hear, though, from Michael Parsons is, hey, I need to do this or I didn't do anything. I didn't get it done. Right. We don't hear that often. Yes, he is all about the team and a lot of this commentary. But there is usually in the commentary very little self-reflection on what he didn't do, what he didn't get done. At the end of the day, Jordan Love and that Packers team, they got run over by the Packers. I mean, mean, uh, by the Packers team. Like, it wasn't like, yes, Dak Prescott had some terrible turnovers and he put them in a terrible position. But at the end of the day, how how many points they scored? 31 points, whatever they scored. The game was over. Right. And then, then, yeah, some of that is garbage time stuff. But at the end of the day, like, that that Cowboys defense didn't show up. And if Michael Parsons is the quote-unquote leader of the Cowboys defense, well, where the hell were you? Like, why are you complaining about what everyone else's perspective was on the season and not looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, hey, how come I didn't get my guys ready to go if I'm this great leader? Or how come I didn't make I didn't make more of an impact on the game? It feels like with Michael Parsons, it's always a lot of finger pointing. It's always someone else's fault. It's DeMarcus Lawrence's fault for saying we're tired. It's the media's fault for not giving Dak Prescott enough praise. It's everyone else's fault but his. And I don't know how you can be a leader and have that attitude. And again, I don't know... What helps a culture by turning on the podcast by saying, hey, let's talk about our season? I've never seen a leader lead his team by turning on the podcast, Mike, to say, hey, let's really air this out. That, that's not happened yet.
It's like, so is this the first time we're going to see a leader who motivates through podcasting? I, I'd be shocked <laughs> if that happens. Motivates through podcasting. Was he a Kelsey brother? <laughs> uh, 855-212-4CBS. Our pal Big Dave is in Kentucky. Diehard Cowboy fan. Hey, Dave. Do the rats jumping off a ship have a leader? <laughs> Do the fleas on the back of a dog's back have a leader? There is no leader. That's the problem. Your leader's a... 97 year old babbling billionaire <laughs> grabs a mic. Mike is just following his lead. Uh. Next generation, this is next generation crap. The fish stinks from the head down. That's the problem, Maggie. How are you? I'm doing great, Dave. How you been, man? Doing great. Yeah. Doing great. No complaints. You back on the Cowboys bandwagon or are you still, you oh, still no, giving up? I'm just sitting on the sidelines eating popcorn, watching the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like this energy from Dave. Dave is like that. Uh, he's like that ex that sees their, you know, their former ex just like struggling out there in the streets being like, hey, that's someone else's problem now. <laughs> Could have been they, with me. Exactly. They, they belong to the streets. DJ. Excellent analogy, DJ. <laughs> Dave, you know, I'm sure you'd love this one too. Micah Parsons also defending Dak Prescott saying, you know, he, besides Patrick Mahomes, he hasn't done, you know, he's in the same category as Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Lamar Jackson. Do you put Dak in the same category as those other guys? What a ridiculous comment. But that's what we do. <laughs> Have a great day, guys. Thank you, Later, Big Dave. Love it. Now, this was something I knew people a lot. He was hard at work, by the way, because Hi. he's promised us a Jets poem. Uh, big Friendly in California. We got a Big Dave and a Big Friendly. What a lucky show we are. Yep. Big Friendly in California wrote a poem about the 49ers as a Rams fan. So it was biting, <laughs> but beautiful. Uh, and he read it for us. And we've asked Pete to now make us a Jets poem, <laughs> which he's going to read soon. But here's the thing, Pete. I thought you would love this because you're all about second place is the first loser, right? And and all losers are created equal because you've lost. Mm -hmm. So Dak Prescott is the same category as Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow because they all haven't won. Losers. All losers. Okay. I I thought you'd say consistent here. Yeah. I, I may, if I'm, I'm on the other side of the glass, and now maybe I feel like I'm becoming Perlo. How can you say that <laughs> Dak Prescott, who's been a generational choker in the playoffs, is the same as multiple-time MVPs, guys who have went to the Super Bowl, and Joe Burrow? Like, there's there's a difference well, there. For 2023, they're losers. Mm. But, but I think the problem was Micah Parsons was trying to make the case that, hey, you can't say anything bad about Dak, because if you're going to say anything bad about Dak, then you got to bury these other guys, but well, yeah, I am. They're losers. Oh, come on, <laughs> there's different, different levels, Pete. There's different oh, levels of that. You oh, are taking over the pearl. I, I think, I think, I think it makes sense. And I agree with Pete when we talked about teams. I think yes, it, at the end of the day, you win as a team or you lose as a team. I think it's fair to say yes. If you came in, and you didn't get it done. At the end of the day, you're all losers. But I think when we're comparing quarterbacks and what they've accomplished in the league, we can't say that we only rate the guys that have won championships and everyone else is the same. I can't see that. So what about Matt Stafford? He didn't win this year. Is he still a loser? He's a loser for 2023, yes. <laughs> oh. Like I said previously, they are losers. If you, The only team that are winners and the only players that are winners this year are the Kansas City Chiefs because they won the whole thing. I know. Michael everybody, Bar- everybody else... You name them, they're losers. Wait, can I give you a hypothetical? Sorry. Yes. Say next year, the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl and lose. Right. So they would have won three in five years, but they would have lost in the Super Bowl. Losers? Yeah. There you go. 
Yeah, <laughs> he's look, not they, moving off the spot. Everyone, everyone was all, oh, hey, are they going to win three straight? No, they didn't. They were losers. <laughs> so they, they won. The, they won the previous Super Bowls. That's great. But for 2024, they are losers. Is this going to make its way into the poem? I can only hope. No, no, no. Okay. We, we keep that out of the poem okay. because the Jets are born losers. It's a whole culture change that needs to happen over there. So we'll cover that in this poem. I think I just found a new podcast idea for Odyssey. Micah Parsons and Pete Bellotti. <laughs> we can talk about Dev Prescott and how he's just a loser like everyone else and they get along just fine. Tell me what the check is. And I'll be there. <laughs> call, call the podcast Loserville. Population, <laughs> Population you. <laughs> also also Pete's seventh book. Right. Uh, 855-2124-CBS. All right. Without further ado, coming up, other side of this break, Pete Bellotti with a homespun Jets poem. <clears throat> <laughs> I can't wait for this. Megan Perloff, EJ's in for Perloff today. Do not move. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Defensive Player of the Week is sponsored by Navy Federal Credit Union, who produces, who pr- proudly serves the Armed Forces, DOD veterans, and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. Well, 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 how the turntables have. <laughs> uh, so here I am on the other side of the glass here, and it's Carlos who has our Defensive Player of the Week. Now I feel like the terror slash confusion slash frustration that Perloff feels every day, not knowing what is going to come out of Carlos's mouth. Usually I'm the one to do defensive player of the week, but now it's Carlos. I am stumped because we had an all-star weekend that kind of stopped the NBA for several days. Yeah, when you score like 400 points in a game, I don't think you're winning. No one's winning defensive, nothing. <laughs> um, all right, I'm going to channel Carlos here. I think Carlos went to college basketball, Ooh. but I think he went to the women's side, right? 
something. I saw Angel Reese at like four blocks. Maybe Paige Becker's on a couple blocks yeah, too. Yeah, you got you got lost completely. <laughs> okay, never mind. Uh, Who I, is I, it? So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess it's Giannis. I'm gonna say that he's gonna go. Excuse me, Brooke Lopez. I'm gonna say he's gonna go NBA, but go before the All Star weekend because technically it still will be a week since last Thursday when the Bucks played. They lost, but Brooke Lopez at four at a or yeah, Brooke Lopez at four blocks. So I'll go with Brooke. Okay. All right. Well, I didn't go with Brooke. Uh, I went in the actual All Star game where defense was completely optional. One player had a grand total of a steal and a block in that game where it was almost 400 points. Was it Steph Curry? It was not Steph Curry. I, oh. He did get a block. He had a block, which was stunning in the yes. game. <laughs> and I thought about him, but that one steal put Jason Tatum over the edge. So wow. Jason Tatum is the defensive player of the week for wow. that game Man. where there was no defense whatsoever. Adam Silver will be cutting you a check for that one, Carlos, <laughs> to find any shred of any kind of defense there. Okay. Uh, without further ado... Peter Schwartz standing by with headlines, but we have been promised a Jets-related <laughs> poem from Pete Bellotti. Well, thank you very much. Uh, the Jets have arrived, and it's time for them to take a dive. <laughs> Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are still here. Sit tight and hold my beer. <laughs> but hey, Aaron Rodgers is saving Gang Green. Instead, all we have is spots with McAfee wanting to be seen. <laughs> Far from the days of Namath, Martin, and the Sack Exchange, it's time for Woody to sell and bring about some real change. Mm, I, I like love it. it. That was really good. Whoa. Very How about impressive. that? Pete's. I love it. Bill Shakespeare over there. With the days Pete. of our live music behind Bill Jr., him. yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I, modern I, day you. Maya Angelou, that people Pilati. We've always said that about him. That was fantastic. <laughs> and, for, and for Pete to do that in basically a half hour, he Less. didn't know we were going to have a big friendly poem. I mean, you know, we didn't know that was going to happen today. So he has no idea he's coming in. He's going to do a poem today. He sees big friendly, gets inspired and say, I want to do one for my team and drops that in less than a half hour. It's like when you hear those stories about, Artists who say, hey, I wrote this album in like a day. <laughs> I feel like people Pete, Pete could yes, probably write right. an album in a day. He's right. Paul Simon. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. No Garfunkel. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos can be your Garfunkel. Uh, well done. I mean, and you hit all the notes. Hold should, my beer. You should see my uh, sheet. Arrows everywhere. I, I mean, I, I, I can't remember the name. It looks like it. a playbook. <laughs> a iambic pentameter. Not really. It's a little A-A-B-B rhyme scheme. I yeah. love it. Hand that off to uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Maybe we'll have some better plays. Aesop <laughs> has nothing on me. <laughs> I love it. Fantastic. Awesome Maybe stuff, Pete. Kaplan can grab that for us. I'm sure he's already working the Kaplan magic. Uh, <laughs> Peter Schwartz, not as impressed. Every Jets, When every Jets season ends, I temporarily turn off the depression switch oh, that's on good. my you body. Can turn off the switch. And, um, yeah, because I move on to something else to be depressed about. Okay. Um, so Pete has actually turned the depression switch back on. Oh, was it? I was not ready to put it back on yet until like free agency in the draft, until the next screw up by the team. Yeah. So, but like, at what point wait, was it? Something about the uh, rhyming, the Aaron Rodgers with uh, the McAfee appearances? Yeah, uh, just the overall like any 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 any. 
comment on Jets history and how bad they are and just ownership situation. Just, you know, I, I, I try to block it out when the season was over because I've moved on to other things. Listen, you got, Lord, try- you got Lord Byron over here right. spitting I know, bars. but I'm, you know, there's, there's other things going on now. I'm not ready to turn my care level on for the Jets just yet until, like, stuff happens. <laughs> okay, but Peter, that's a you problem. Yeah. This was actually a good poem put together by I'm Lamont. not saying it wasn't a good Separate poem. I just, you know, I'm just... I, I was not ready to turn the depression meter back on yet. But sometimes, Pete, I mean, I mean, don't you have certain poems or songs that, like, you know, like, look, we live this life as Jets fans. Like, I don't think we can ever really hide it or put it away. Sometimes I like listening to sad music about topics that, you know, bother me because it actually, you know, it, it resonates with me. Like, I yeah, think it's with cathartic. Pete, right, it's cathartic. Like, with that, like, with, from Bilotti there, it was like... I, but, no, I felt his pain. I felt where he was coming from because I, I need, lived this life. Even I know it's a little shorter. I need the treatment and I need the that whatever you're talking about <laughs> the dur- during yeah. the se- during the season when I'm actually watching them like wither to nothing. Right, as Listen, Elton John would say, sad songs, they say so much, so turn them on, turn them on those sad songs. There you go. See, there we go. I mean, you got bottle air on the other side of the glass, and he's just <laughs> giving you everything you could ever want. I loved it, Pete. Thank I think you, you did a great much. job. Yeah, uh, I don't want to I don't want to diminish his his talent in writing the <laughs> in writing the poem because it was it was a, it was well done. Yeah. I'm just like from a personal standpoint, I'm just yeah, not ready for it. I actually, just yet. That actually made me feel better about my garbage franchise. <laughs> Same. because no, so like now, like like in my head, like the first positive thing I'm looking forward to out of the off season is when the Jets unveil the new uniforms. Oh, because that well, will that problem. that will for at least one <laughs> evening, like at whatever event it's going to be yeah. at. Yeah, will at least like oh. They're nice. They went back to the old ones. And I can remember when the Jets were good. All right. We and got the T.S. Eliot of the turnpike here. Right. And Schwartz is not impressed. Well, let's, 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 go back, let's take that, for example, and go back to when the last time they did reveal new uniforms less than five years ago. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was there. It was, yeah. it was silly. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was silly. Uh, okay. <laughs> As Kermit the Frog said, it ain't easy being green. No. Uh, you got headlines for us. Unless you're the Packers Pierre or Eagles. Schwartz. William Byron <laughs> wins his first career Daytona 500. The Great American Race postponed to Monday after rain on Sunday. Byron dedicated the win to his father. I'm just a kid from <laughs> racing on computers and uh, winning the Daytona 500. I can't believe it. I wish my dad was here. He's sick, but this is for him, man. We've uh, we've been through so much, and we sat up in the grandstands together and, and watched the race. This is so freaking cool. Byron, courtesy of Fox Sports, Alex Bowman second, Christopher Bell third. Okay, so I didn't know this about William Byron, who sounds like he should have been like uh, part of the revolution or something and signed the Declaration of Independence, <laughs> but he just won the Daytona 500. He came up in I racing. So that's computer simulations. Yep. Yeah. Like this is his foundation was he's basically a self-proclaimed computer nerd. It's I like mean, playing Madden and then becoming yeah. an NFL Offensive star. coordinator. Yeah. Or honestly, whatever. Poet. This should probably be the future. <laughs> I mean, we saw, you know, the movie Gran Turismo yep. essentially was this, was, you know, kids playing the game and then having to be race car drivers. I do wonder if this does open the docket. Again, maybe not to play in the NFL, but, I mean, if you're calling plays on Madden, can you not try to then maybe be an offensive coordinator somewhere? Maybe not NFL, but I don't know. Maybe well, it opens opens the avenue for something. Sure. I mean, there's physical limitations of playing in the NFL yeah. that might prohibit you that maybe doesn't Especially happen Especially someone that's playing driving. 10 hours of Madden every day. I'm yeah. pretty sure they're not at the gym. <laughs> yeah, but you might need to get on a sled or something, start pushing something around. But anyway, 
Uh, this is fascinating to me that he would he could actually have this foundation in just in computer simulations, and it's gotten to the point now where he's winning the Daytona 500. He, he gave a great interview last year with Fox where he said, um, you know, they said, Do your, were your parents ever worried about you? He's like, yeah. yeah, they didn't like that I was spending all this time in front of the computer. And he's like, well, what's your message? He's like, well, follow your dreams anyway. <laughs> you know, you not to follow your parents, but follow your dreams anyway. It's a pretty crazy story. It, it's it's funny because, like, you know, all the analytics going on in sports right now, and you can hire, like, a, a pro sports organization can hire a kid out of college that goes into the analytics department, like, yeah. you know, Moneyball type of thing. Oh, and, you know, you should not get this guy. You should get these three instead of yeah. that one. Could you imagine, like, if any, like, the, this esports person would go and interview for an NFL front office job? Like, what's your qualifications to be, like, an NFL front office executive? Yeah. I know when to hit X yeah. on Ten, my uh, controller guys, and guys and spin move and I, well, I, I ten thousand <laughs> hours. Look, I will say this: like as someone who played Madden franchise and simulated a ton, I have won way more Super Bowls as a Jets general manager on Madden <laughs> than any Jets general manager. So I'm just saying, you if, are hired, right? If Woody Johnson is looking for a new GM, he wants to move on from Joe Douglas. Woody. I've got it done in Madden. I can Woody, get it done in real life. Woody, we could hook you up with EJ. There well, you go. We have That's unconventional it. stories about GMs, and one unconventional story is Leon Rose. There you go. Leon yeah. Rose well, is not a general manager. No, he's an agent. I mean, he's we've, an agent. We've seen a few more agents, but yeah, listen, yeah. they know the league. It's about... How'd that know. work out for the Mets a couple of years ago? Well, it didn't work out well because it's no. the Mets. <laughs> <laughs> Brody Van Wagenham, we used yeah. to call Brody Bob, Sandbagenham. Bob, My- Bob Myers, Bob Myers, former agent. Uh, yeah. Rob Plinka, former agent. Those guys won championships. Like I, I, I tell you what, I think do think when it comes to franchise, I joke a little bit about the the video games, but I do think when it comes to general managers, I think that you have to look more outside the box. Out of the box, yeah. 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 Well, Meanwhile, uh, but who's writing poems about it? Only people out of as far as I can right. tell. <laughs> Hire me as the Jet General Manager. <laughs> it comes I, out can, first we, press conference. It's just like uh, <laughs> dropping bars. It's like hold uh, my beer. <laughs> what light do yonder window breaks? <laughs> it is Aaron Rodgers. This guy, I, like this guy. <laughs> I could be a quality control coach. Yeah. <laughs> Just criticizing yeah. the poems. There you go. Uh, the story from the NFL: Saints tight end Jimmy Graham announcing he will participate. In the 2025 Arctic Challenge, it'll be part of a four-person team rowing 1,000 miles across the Arctic Ocean for 15 straight days in pursuit of a Guinness World Record. And to raise money for charity, the Arctic Challenge has partnered with three charities, Jimmy Graham Foundation, Covenant House, and Laureus Sport for Good USA. I love these kind of stories. I mean, Uh, really cool. Jimmy Graham, who had some issues last year and and seemed to overcome them, and now he's going to be... 15 days, is it, in the Arctic? Yeah. Rowing for charity. Rowing. My goodness. <laughs> Couldn't be me, but good for you, Jimmy. I don't <laughs> like it when it drips, drops below 40. But uh, <laughs> more power to him. I'll do a 50 50 raffle for charity. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this feels a little Let's pass much. Pass the donation box around. <laughs> right. Yeah, this feels a little much, right? Like, like, couldn't he just give the money? Like, I don't know. I, like, I don't know. Is he raising awareness for rowing with doing this? Like, no, for the Jimmy Graham Foundation. No, I mean you do it for. I mean, I, I mean, I guess it's also getting the Guinness the, Guinness the record book. So here's the thing, right? It's like yes, he could just cut the check, right. obviously, but this brings some awareness. Like I want to talk to Jimmy Graham now. I yeah. want to know how do you prep for this? How do you train for this? Look, Jimmy Graham is a former Miami Hurricane. I can't imagine that there were conversations in the locker room being like, so how, who wants to roll across the Atlantic or Arctic or whatever? Like <laughs> I don't know where he's getting this from, but shout out to him because. 
Miami Hurricanes still breaking records, trying to be transcendent. I love it. It's just I'm, I'm hoping he's safe. That's, well, that's the, the one part. thing I'm a little worried about because we did have issues with him this year in terms of where he was yes. or how safe he was. Headspace. Right. I, I think, uh, listen, you play in Green Bay, you probably feel like, I can row in the Arctic Circle. <laughs> what the hell's the difference? Yeah. Played on the tundra. <laughs> this is also cool. Once the mission is successful, it'll be the Guinness record for the first mixed-gender team to row the Arctic Ocean. They're also going to try to be the first American team to row across a polar ocean. So there's a couple of things going on here. Listen, USA, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. If you were going to give me a, 10 guesses, who out of the NFL would be the first to row across the Arctic? Andy Reid. <laughs> Was there a jack-in-the-box the at the end? The <laughs> Honestly, Aaron Rodgers would be very high on that list. Andy, and there's, I say there's highs. some nuggies at the end of the <laughs> yeah, show. Yeah, highs. You know, double euphemism on yeah. that. Like. <laughs> there you go. Uh, can you bring ayahuasca to the Arctic? Yeah. Does it grow there? <laughs> it's more of a rainforest activity, I feel. Uh, now to uh, baseball at Angels Camp yesterday. We heard from Anthony <laughs> Rendon last hour. Now we'll hear from uh, Mike Trout, who addressed his future yesterday with reporters. And the easy way out is just ask for a trade. Um, you know, there might be a time... Maybe. Uh, I've, I really haven't thought about this, but, uh, you know, when I signed that contract, I, I'm loyal. You know, I want to win the championship here. And, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's mainly. I think the, the, the overall picture of winning a championship or getting to the playoffs here is bigger satisfaction, bailing out and just taking the easy way out. So I think that's, that's my, been my mindset. You know, maybe down the road if some things change, but that's been my mindset ever since the trade speculations, you know, came up. So, so that's where I'm at. Yeah, the smart way is to ask for a trade. <laughs> I, I haven't thought about it. I mean, the smart thing to do is ask for a trade. But I haven't thought about it, though. I'm, I'm not, I have not thought about it. I'm just saying. That's yeah. the easy way I out. just thought about this two seconds ago, but it's never come once. Even though I know that's the easy road, that probably is the right thing I should do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Can I, can I ask you something? So he obviously signed the big contract, right? Yeah. 12 years, $426 million. Mike Trout's amazing. At what, at what point, though, does the easy way out becoming never sniffing the mm-hmm. postseason again? Like, you might want to win. Your organization doesn't. They just let Shohei Otani walk out the door. And Shohei Otani is getting all of his money deferred until the year 20-whatever. And he's willing to go play for the Dodgers for $2 bucks a year. So, at some point, it's not you don't want to win. Your organization doesn't want to win. And even if they did want to win, they don't have any clue how. They have no clue how to win. And you've played in three playoff games in your entire career. I'm not saying that he should walk out the door. That's his decision. But at some point when you're this all-time great talent, doesn't the easy way out become never being on the big stage or giving yourself an opportunity to be on the big this stage? This year is his last chance. It's his last chance. How he's old getting, is he? He's getting older. Yeah. He's he's injured. And it's his last opportunity to go somewhere where you can work out the contract. It's 32. It, yeah. If he doesn't go... This this next year without seeing the playoffs, he's not going to see it. Well, here's the problem, and not the not as a problem. I understand it's just a function of the sport. We don't judge baseball players off postseason success. I mean, mm-hmm. individually, maybe we'll talk about guys and whether they came through or were terrible big game pitchers, blah blah blah. But him getting to the Hall of Fame has nothing to do with a postseason, yeah. and so he has no incentive. Like besides just wanting to win or telling us he wants to win, he's got no incentive to ever leave. He can be in L.A. He can make tons of money. He goes completely under the radar. He doesn't get near the amount of pressure of an Aaron Judge or a Bryce Harper. And I'm not saying that's it's his prerogative, but at some point we want to see this guy, 
you know, on something other than the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I think he cares more than his teammate Anthony Rendon. I think well, he wants that, to win. Like, he loves you and baseball. I care more than yeah, Anthony Yeah, he wants right. he wants to win. I, listen, at some point, at some point, he's just going to have to throw his hands up and say, "All right, it's just it's just not happening. Let's go find something else." Find somewhere else to go. But, but I do agree with Maggie, though, this notion that he is somehow taking the tougher road by avoiding pl- avoiding the smoke. Like, he, if you want to play for a winner, you know it's not in Los Angeles or slash Anaheim. So that means you have to go somewhere else to use your contract to say, well, well I signed the contract, so, hey, there's nothing I'm I loyal, can do. I'm loyal, yeah. I'm loyal. Like, it, it is in some ways a cop-out. It is some way to say, you know, I'm taking the route that I signed five years ago whenever when I signed this contract two, three years ago. Like, I, I don't love that answer to me. Like, we want to see the best players playing on the best stage. And Shohei Otani had a decision to make, and he could have decided I'm going to stay in Anaheim and lose forever. And he didn't. Now, the team offered him the most money, and they deferred it for, you know, the next 40 years, basically. But at the end of the day, he chose that challenge. And Mike Trout saying that him not taking that challenge is somehow more altruistic. I don't buy that at all. And uh, NBA Nets fired head coach Jacques Vaughn. Yesterday, Kevin Ollie takes over on an interim basis, and today we'll hear from Nets general manager Sean Marks to explain all this. Can't ah, wait for that. If a Nets coach gets fired, does it even make a sound? I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> That's one of the great riddles. How many more time. chances is Sean Marks going to get? That guy to got, hire a coach. He, he got votes for executive of the year last year, just last season, after they traded Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I, you want to talk about a guy whose Q rating just went from one direction swinging directly into the other so fast. Sean Marks, he's really one of the worst general managers probably in the NBA NBA at this point. Pete, can you write a poem about him? I ask you, if a Nets GM gets fired, does it make a sound? None of this stuff matters. Uh, But, Peter, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Both Peters, excellent this segment. Pete Bellotti with his Jets poem. You're welcome. Amazing. And uh, Peter Schwartz with the update. Okay, coming up, lots more to do, including... Guess who's filming a Last Dance-like documentary? And we just found out about it. We'll tell you who next. Maggie and Perloff. EJ's in for Perloff today, CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back. Maggie Gray. EJ Stewart in for Perloff today. And this portion of the show is brought to you by Wesley Financial. Stuck in a timeshare and want out? Contact Wesley Financial Group now and get a free timeshare exit information kit at wesleyfinancialgroup.com. Well, some things we learned over the weekend. I learned maybe don't take a four-year-old to the busiest hibachi restaurant in the state of New Jersey. Get to that that another time. Uh, We also learned that the Boston Celtics, EJ, have a camera crew who's been following them around this entire season. Oh, boy. This is a bad idea. I, I can't even imagine you're already feeling maximum pressure i have to imagine if you're a boston celtics right you've already been to the finals you've mm-hmm. been to multiple eastern conference finals you are knocking on the door you're the best team in the eastern conference right now you've got two all-time great players in tatum and jalen brown brown just got paid this massive amount you've had to go through coaching changes all this stuff why would you add the pressure of oh and by the way we've got a documentary style film crew that's following us so if we fall short what happens like the film do we ever see the footage does that get released do we get what a single tear at the end of the season i I just i don't see how this goes well and even if you want to do it to document history or whatever Mm -hmm. don't let anyone know about it until after the season's over. Oh, no, I am all for this. I am in, We are in the age of documentaries, sports documentaries particularly. We talked about quarterbacks earlier. We've talked about the moments we've had in Hard Knocks, of course, The Last Dance, yeah. which has really kind of spurned a lot of these recent sports documentaries. 
I'm all for it. And I think that they've done it actually the right way because we did not hear about it until this week. Like, they've been doing this all season, apparently. We didn't know that they were having some kind of documentary. And unlike Hard Knocks, where it clearly put a target on the Jets' back because we all saw that they were going to be a part of it, we're not, they're not putting out episodes before the season starts. We don't even know what the series is. We don't know who's producing it. We don't know if it's a Boston Celtics-led documentary or is it NBA Entertainment or is it some other company that's doing it. Right. So we don't know enough, I think, to where this would add any pressure. I think it would be different if the NBA came out and announced, hey, we're doing the NBA Hard Knocks and we're announcing the Boston Celtics as a team. Well, I think now the other 31 teams, particularly the other you know, or, you know, 20, you know, 30 teams and the other yeah. 15 teams in the, in the Eastern Conference say, oh, really, Boston Celtics, you guys are just being anointed, the team that's going to be the next last dance team, the team that's going to be the next – it gets bullies of the block, the next champions. All right, let's show you. I don't think that that's really going to have the impact that it would have had they announced this before the season. So I'm all for it. I cannot wait to see this. Um, the Celtics don't necessarily have a bunch of characters that I think are all that interesting. But I saw Kirk Cousins do a documentary. He was the most interesting guy in the world. <laughs> Going so, to Barnes and Noble on every Tuesday. Yeah, and it was great. So my <laughs> thing is more, uh, more, more power to him. Like I want to see it. So I have no problem with it. Okay. This is going to add pressure just like announcing if they were on hard knocks because now all the other teams in the Eastern Conference are going to say, oh, I'm sorry, you're cutting a championship DVD. I'm sorry, I forgot the last time you guys hung a banner, everyone on this team was in diapers. <laughs> so I I, th- I think this is going to add a lot of pressure. And, you know, again, if they don't win, is this going to be embarrassing to get released? Because here's the thing about the sports documentaries. Mm-hmm. It's either a championship retrospective or you're generally telling a very sad story, right? Like there's no, oh, we had an average season, cue the credits. (laughs) Like that's not going to be fun, interesting. Nobody's going to want to watch that outside of your most diehard Celtic fan. So something has got to happen to make this interesting. And if it doesn't end with a title, I think you might as well scrap it. Unless they're going to tell us about Ime Adoka stuff and they're going to dive into things we actually care about and want to know about. If if this is not end with the Larry O'Brien then you just wasted a lot of time. Okay, but let's think about the concept of pressure when it comes to these Eastern Conference teams. Yeah. I don't, like, yes, the Celtics have a lot of pressure, but it's not like they have a bunch of other teams that have nobody with their eyes and attention onto them. Sure. I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers, the whole Joel Embiid thing, will he come back, will he won't come back? Is he a player that wins MVPs in the regular season but can't produce in the playoffs? Like, there's a lot of pressure there. Um, Milwaukee, we've talked about how yeah. they fired their coach and – you know, Doc Rivers is now saying, well, you know, I wish I could have started this in, after the All-Star break. I didn't realize it would be this tough. Oh, really, Doc? You didn't realize <laughs> coming in midseason for a team that I'd was rather in... watch a, a, a Milwaukee Bucks documentary, <laughs> to be quite honest. Oh, that would be quite spicy. Put that on Netflix. Yeah, no, like like the Bucks, the Sixers, dare I say the Knicks now with the players they brought in, the expectation, maybe not necessarily from the media, but at least from the fans, that there's going to be a big payoff this postseason. The Eastern Conference has plenty of other teams that have – a lot on their plate. Like, if they're worried about the Boston Celtics getting more attention than they are, I think that they're focused on the wrong thing. So I think that maybe if this was different, if this was the Western Conference where you're the Denver Nuggets and you're the champions and you're like, what, there's a team doing a documentary in our conference and they have, we won the championship? Like, they were doing this for the Lakers. I could see Mike Malone going up to the first microphone he could find yeah. and be like, hey, look how they're disrespecting us again. Everybody loves the Lakers and they hate us. It's different with that Eastern Conference, which really is, is the thing. They're trying to get out of that East. They made only only the finals only once during this stretch, but they've made all these conference finals. Yep. Once you get to the finals, we're not thinking about documentaries. Now it's about who can win in seven games. So I think those other teams in the East, they have a lot more to worry about than whether or not the Celtics are making a championship doc. Okay, so Celtics making a championship doc. We found out about this. So they're making a documentary. They have a documentary-style right. crew who's been following the team. So 
Two other things I'll say about this and why I think it adds pressure and why I think it's unnecessary. One, have we ever thought to ourselves, hmm, I'm watching the NBA and I feel really lost for footage. <laughs> like, these guys are documenting yeah. everything. The last dance was different because it was 1998. We didn't have all camera phones back then. I'm never hurting for inside access when it comes to the NBA. They're a sport that's very good at miking players up and making guys feel like you have access to them. Two, Calling your shot doesn't really work. And I think really the only time I can remember it working, maybe you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but Jason Terry getting the the tattoo before the season started and the Dallas Mavericks somehow won the title that year. Normally this stuff doesn't end well. And because it's hard. And anyone who would know this, it's actually the Celtics who know how hard this is. So to win a title. So to me, again, I, I don't love it. And you're right about the characters. Who am I learning about? Joe Missoula? That guy looks like he's got the personality of a, you know, Yeah, Joe Missoula. Yeah, I mean, the guy doesn't get a haircut, it seems like. I mean, maybe that's the most interesting about him. I mean, they apparently, they, I mean, they have guys that I think are pretty high-quality guys. I mean, yeah, Drew Holiday. good guys are fine. Yeah, Drew Holiday is a good, good guy. Jason Tatum, all counts, good guy. Jalen Brown, um, I love what he did doing the dunk contest, even though he didn't do that great. Like, their character guys are fine, but they don't have interesting guys. I think the interesting thing is the chase, which I think is why, for me, I'd be invested because I do want to see, hey, this team, and especially now that we've watched them, this team's been killing everybody. And that's the other thing, too. It would be different if we learned about this and they were having a season like the Warriors are having. Where you're that a team would be that's, interesting. Yeah, it will be a great, that'd be a better documentary, quite frankly. <laughs> but, like, if they were having that kind of season where they're in the play-in and they're not being able to figure it out and they're having all these issues, and I learned, oh, they, by the way, they're making a documentary, I'd be like, well... There's the root of all the problems. Like, they have this documentary they're trying to do, and they're distracted. Like, they have this documentary crew all around them, and they've been just murdering all the teams they face. Like, they seem to be doing better than they did before they had documentaries on the Celtics. Well, I wish I had a documentary crew following me on Sunday night because I decided (laughs) to go to— If you're wondering where everybody is in whatever state in this country that you live in, the answer is they're at the hibachi place. I've never seen— a more crowded restaurant in my entire life. Now, we decided <laughs> to take my four-year-old to Hibachi for the first time. He's got in his head that some of his favorite cartoon characters live in Japan. And so I can't. They he, don't. What, he likes anime? No, <laughs> it's not. It's like they all have British accents. He, his geography is about as good as Marash's. <laughs> but he was four. So, it's better. Yeah, maybe. So he wants to go to Japan now. The next best thing, let's get him to a Japanese style restaurant with a hibachi. Can't Way eat to get him authentic experience. <laughs> yeah, I know. Meanwhile, this place, how are people not having more seizures at this place? Like they, they did a great job. The food was good. They're, they must be seating seven hundred people a night. I mean, you get there. We got there at five, and the place mm. had fifteen hibachi tables. Everything's packed. People are lit, too. Why is everyone oh. so drunk at these places? Oh, no, the hibachi <laughs> place is where you get lit because of the atmosphere, because of the excitement. Like, that doesn't surprise me. Um, and I, honestly, it being packed isn't that surprising because I think everybody keeps forgetting that President's Day is a holiday. Yeah. And people use that last day to, like, do whatever. My girlfriend was complaining because she was at the airport. And she's like, why is everyone in the world at the airport? <laughs> I'm like, you realize that there are people who have kids who don't have school. So they're um, going to go on vacation. Can I just one little... Uh, pat on the back you know they flip the piece of zucchini to everybody oh, yeah. like from the chef try to catch it in your mouth first try oh just say one take maggie gonna back away from the mic picture <laughs> didn't happen the mic listen <laughs> first try i'm saying no one else at the table got on the first try so, <laughs> there you go let's get her a medal <laughs> coming up lebron's lies 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 